fuck you, I'm cutting that out. (laughs) (laughs) Rude. User error 68. I'm Joe. I'm Alan. And I'm Dan. We're back, and it's another hashtag Ask Error special. We enjoyed the last one so much, we thought we'd do another one. Uh, Before we get into it, quick mention that the forum has now gone away. You have destroyed the droplet. It is no more. So if you do want to get in touch with us, then Twitter's probably the best way, and that is at user error show. Or you can go to error.show slash contact, and there's ways there. But yes, the forum is no more. And for GDPR compliance reasons, I've deleted all the backups as well. Ah, good man. Right, the first question then. What's the one bit of Linux advice you'd give yourself if you could go back to the start of your journey? I think if I had to go back to the beginning, then I would tell myself to start coding faster. And it's kind of not really just Linux advice, but I think that's the number one thing is it, it took me a, a long time to like get involved with other projects and... Um, even then, just getting involved through the issue tracker and things like that, I wish I would have tried to submit more pull requests a lot longer ago. And and I feel like that it's only been within the last couple of years that I've really started going to upstream project pages and trying to really get involved with things that I care about. So I, I wish that I would have tried to do that sooner. Right. I thought when you said coding faster, you meant like typing reading fast like that. (laughs) No, you mean more sooner is the word. Right. Yeah. I'm mixed on this because I I was going to give a similar answer to Dan, but more um, get involved in Linux earlier because someone introduced it to me in like 93, 94, something like that. And he had a pile of floppy disks and I poo-pooed it and thought it was just ludicrous. And why would anyone want to install that rubbish? And I was still messing about with Novell Netware and Turbo Pascal in MS-DOS and stuff like that. And I think I probably would have enjoyed it if I'd have taken, you know, the floppy disks that he offered and and had a play with Linux. I think I might have enjoyed that. But the problem was at the time I was young, free and single and quite enjoyed going out, meeting girls and drinking beer. So I'm, I'm not sure it would have worked anyway. So even if I'd have, if I had a time machine and went back and said to myself back in 1994, 95, Hey dude, you should take that guy's floppy disks and you should play with that, that nerdy operating system in your bedroom. I'd be like, nah. So yeah, I'm not sure it would have worked even if I could do that. I was not going to say that, but uh, I might have to steal that as my sort of half answer because yeah, I got given some, I don't know, Mandriva, Mandrake, something like that disks. Um, cds they were by my brother and he said i'll oh, check out this linux thing and i'm like uh, i don't know didn't and, and took the discs but then never installed it and then got into it with ubuntu a little bit later but the one bit of advice is just really simple that i wish i'd known about tab completion sooner it took me about four or five years of being into linux before someone told me about that because it just it's never in in you know blog posts and tutorials and stuff they give you all these commands to type out and if they'd said that there was tab completion, it would have been so much easier. And now, well, that and Control-R as well. I wish I'd known about that. Um, so just, yeah, practical advice, really. I think maybe I might have suggested to myself to try learning C or C++ or something. If I if I had the time, um, and I obviously had the time because I was mucking about with Turbo Pascal and writing rubbish with that, and I taught myself Turbo Pascal from shareware floppy disks, I think... 
if I managed to, in, you know, encourage myself to to learn C, I, I might have had a better grounding. But I don't know. It's hard to know, you know, without forking the universe and going down another timeline. There's no way of knowing, is there? Right. What would make you delete your Twitter? Hmm. I don't know. I think maybe if I was getting a lot of harassment on it and I couldn't get rid of that, like if the block and the mute button wasn't working and I wasn't getting any help from Twitter support, I think that's probably the point at which I'd probably, I don't know whether I'd delete it or make it private. Um, I noticed um, Evan Blass, the guy who is known as Ev Leaks, has recently flipped his account to private and he said he's not going to accept any new followers and so the people who are in now and follow him now are the only people who will ever be able to allow to follow him and it will only go downwards from there um which i thought was an interesting way of doing it and he's completely changed the way he converses with people online now he knows it's a private twitter uh account and i was kind of tempted to do a similar thing but that's difficult because part of my job is promoting the thing I work on and it's a bit difficult if my account is private. Yeah, same. Yeah, I feel like um, that I'd probably make my account private before deleting it because I I don't know. There's something about Twitter that I feel like I get information from that particular social network that I'm not sure where I would find anywhere else. Like there's people that I find interesting that are working on things that I find interesting or that have insights into um, fields that I find interesting that I have no idea where else that I would see that. I, I don't know where I would go to find out like what certain people are hacking on, you know, for various GNOME projects, or I don't know where I would go to find out what um, somebody like Sam Altman decides is some interesting thing to share about companies he's invested in recently, or uh, some piece of advice from um, some marketing director that somebody that I follow follows somebody who follows somebody who retweeted, or, or there's just... There's just something about it that surfaces things that I would find very interesting, but I would have no idea where to even begin to look for those things if I had to find them somewhere else. Is that just fear of missing out, like missing out on those technical details and that those tidbits of information from people that you've never met? I don't know if it's so much missing out, I guess, but... Sometimes there's really interesting things like I see, you know, Christian Hergert writing about like things he's doing with Builder or with um, profiling and things that he's doing really interesting with GTK. And I can look at it and go, oh, like I want to do something similar or, oh, that inspires me to make this change or try this thing. Or there are certain other designers uh, or developers that I follow that I can see something they've done and then think about how my work could be impacted if I looked at things in the way that they're looking at that problem. Going back to the original question, I think like you, Popey, I would probably have to leave if I just got bombarded by harassment or whatever, but hopefully blocking me, it would help that. But I think really what would make me leave would be if it massively changed and became like Gab or something and just sort of tainted by the free speech crowd you know, whatever you want to call them, the extremists, 
Uh, I think that is both left and right. But um, the good thing about Twitter is you can make it what you want it to be. I remember listening to an interview with Jack Dorsey, I think it was Rogan, where he was saying that the idea of Twitter is supposed to be like you can have politics Twitter or you can have football Twitter or you can have Linux Twitter or whatever, whatever you want it to be by following the relevant people or following the relevant hashtags. And so for me, I have managed to avoid a lot of hate and stuff by just muting and blocking people. And if I see an account um, that's posting political stuff that I disagree with, I just block it, which I know is really terrible. You're not supposed to do that. You're supposed to, um, you know, see both sides and not be in a bubble. But you can just make it whatever you want it to be. And as long as I can still do that, I'm still going to use Twitter, I think. I don't know if you have to necessarily follow both sides. I know that's the John O'Bacon school of sitting on fences is, you know, embrace both arguments and listen to both sides. But if you fundamentally disagree with an extremist point of view, why subject yourself to that bullshit constantly? I mean, I just, I don't see the point. You could argue someone's living in a bubble, but people lived in bubbles for many years before Twitter came along because they hung out with people they want to hang out with and they read the paper that they that is politically as, uh, aligned with their thinking. It, people do that already. You don't have to expose yourself to the other side to, to live a fulfilling life. It's bullshit. I definitely feel like I've changed my Twitter feed to include less outrage. I want to see things that are interesting or exciting. And if I see someone that's just doing things that I'm clicking on because it angers me, then it's like, okay, is following that person really making my day better or my life better? I'd rather, I'd rather follow, uh, the accounts of like various city things so I can see like what new festival is coming up or what new restaurant is, uh, you know, popped up on the corner or something instead of some, you know, outrageous political opinion or something, or can you believe that this person did that? What's that uh, woman who recommends everyone gets rid of all the stuff from the house and downsizes? Are you following that mantra, but on Twitter? Oh, yeah, yeah. I'm Marie Condoing the shit out of my Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, hashtag brings me joy. Well, I'm one of those weirdos who has to read every tweet from everyone I follow. So that's why I only follow like 30-something people. That's demented, dude. That's just, that's the road to insanity. Yes. I don't know, I just, like, I would rather not see anything from them than not be able to see everything. I don't know, I'm just strange like that. But I quite like the search page. Every morning when I look at all the people I follow first, and then I go to the search page and see what's going on with the world. And I suppose you could say I get my news from there. I mean, I do also read BBC News and loads of tech news and stuff. But, you know, I, I sort of stay down with the kids that way, I feel. Like, I know that Taylor Swift <laughs> is just... Granddad. But Taylor Swift has just brought out a new single, and, you know, I checked out the video to that. And I wouldn't have known about it if it wasn't for the Twitter search page. That's because you haven't got a TV, Joe. If you had a TV, you would have seen her on Graham Norton last week, and you would have known this. Ah, right. Well, yeah, so Twitter's like my TV then. When do you think you'll buy your first electric car? This is a really interesting one because living in the city, I'm starting to kind of feel like I don't know if it makes sense to buy another car ever. Oh, right. Because there's so much like ride sharing, right? And things are so walkable and 
there's not that much public transportation, but between um, things like Zipcar and Gigcar and Uber, scooters and bikes and, you know, all these other things. I don't know how, I mean, we have two cars right now and one of them literally moves on street cleaning day (laughs) and that's it. That's the entire use of that car. So it's starting to feel like, okay, how much are we spending on this car and how much would it cost if we just grabbed a car when we needed one? And I think the scales are starting to tilt towards more like sharing of transportation methods than like would I love to own a Tesla? Yeah, but will I ever actually need to buy another car? I I don't know. Well, that will all change if and when you have kids because you basically can't have kids and no car. Am I right, Popey? Well, I guess in the city you probably can. I When I go into London, I often see uh, people schlepping around London with their kids in the morning, like taking them to school or wherever they're going, uh, dropping them off at the nanny or whatever. So I think if you live in a, a city that has decent public transport or you know, Uber or other ride-sharing services, I think it's pretty reasonable you can do that. Or some people who use bicycles with, uh, you know, the little thing on the back so the kid can sit in a, you know, on the back of a bike while you're cycling, that kind of stuff works. Um, But where I live, which is not in a city, and some of my family live a fair distance away and trekking to and from friends and stuff a lot, yeah, we ended up having a big car. When the kids were born, we had a an estate, a big Volvo estate. And actually, that's the last car I bought, and that was uh, 16 years ago. So I haven't bought a car for 16 years. I've had cars, and I've been lucky that they've been handed down to me, but I haven't bought anything. Um, and I'm kind of loath to. I don't like the idea of spending a huge chunk of money on this thing that sits on the driveway most of the time and is only really used now and then. Like I use my car today to drop my daughter off um, at dancing and I don't really use it much beyond that. Um, It sits in car parks or sits in my driveway. So yeah, I would like an electric car. That'd be nice, but I can think of plenty of other things I could spend my money on really. I just couldn't be without a car ever since I started driving. It's just just the ultimate freedom i can just do whatever i want whenever i want and you could say that with um you know those car shares and stuff but then you have to walk to the place where it is and you know someone else might have got it and do you ever use these services that's never ever happened to me walking to the service means like crossing the road so you're on the same side as the road uh, as the road as the car is coming from and it comes to you for the most part. No, no, I don't mean Uber. I mean um, where like Zipcar and stuff like that. Um, We've got a gig car parked literally across the street. <laughs> they just park on the regular street parking. You don't have to go anywhere. The closest one to me is about five minute walk because where there's not parking's really tricky where I am in London. So you know, I'm, I'm not saying that that is like a huge issue, but it's just nice to know that I can just go and get in my car now and I could drive to. Scotland or whatever I could just do whatever I wanted and so it's that ultimate freedom and so I suppose back to the electric car question I would like to have an electric car because it feels like the right thing to do but it's just you don't have the range at the moment and we've got this vicious circle of there aren't enough electric cars yet to have 
electric charging stations as a standard thing absolutely everywhere. And also the time it takes. At the moment, even a car with a huge tank of petrol or diesel is going to take you, what, 10 minutes to fill it up. Uh, whereas an electric car, the charging just isn't fast enough at the moment. There's a few things there. Like you said, yeah, it's the ultimate freedom. But really, is it like you're tired? You've got this thing shackled around your neck constantly that you've got to MOT and uh, pay the road fund license. And you've got to constantly keep filling it up and you've got to maintain it, service it. And when you're free from your home and you're in your car, you're just chained to a piece of concrete, like driving down the road. I don't, I don't see a car as amazing freedom. I actually feel like trains give you more freedom than cars because you could jump on a train, somebody else drives, you can get on and do other stuff. You're not having to concentrate hard while you're like, while you're driving. You can have a beer if you want to, or you could just stare out the window. So I, I think public transport gives you more freedom than a car does. Yeah, but it's full of other people. That is the downside, yes. So regarding range anxiety, I feel like the modern cars are at like 300 mile mark right now, right? That's like 480 kilometers. So do you really need to drive farther than that in a day? Even the low end ones um, have a decent enough mileage for most people like on average. And yeah, whenever you say that, there's always someone who says, yes, but I drive 300 miles each way to work every day. And I have to park in a park and ride service and there's no power. So I can't charge it during the day. Yeah. All right. There's always going to be someone for whom this doesn't fit, but there are also, there's a, there's a woman I follow on, um, on YouTube and she's, um, like, so I'm interested in electric cars and, you know, this woman I follow on YouTube has a uh, Renault Zoe, which is, you know, at the lower end of the, of the scale of electric cars. And she's done reviews of the different charging systems and there's multiple charging systems in the UK. And she talks about, you know, some of her range anxiety and she's a contract worker. So she can sometimes be asked to go more distance than, um, you might expect and she has to plan her journey a bit more and I think that's really all it is it's just planning a bit more and maybe factoring in having a coffee somewhere or factoring in a longer stop somewhere and then go and do the shopping while you're there or something like that I think if you think about it it's it's not so hard it's just a change in mindset I think yeah well, my car is about 16, 15, 16 years old, something like that. And I'm hoping to get another few years out of it. And then in that few more years, hopefully, there'll be way more charging stations and the charging technology will be that bit better and the range will be that bit better. And so I'm hoping that my next car will be electric. But I think maybe there'll be one more before I go electric. And then hopefully I'll never look back. Right, and this is pointed firmly at you, Popey. Have you ever been banned from a community? <laughs> what? Um, <laughs> I don't know. Uh, I don't think I've ever like been banned from a community where I feel really upset and I I want to get back in there and I I feel sorry and you know I'm really regretful of my actions and please let me back in. I'm really sorry and I'm missing out. I have been banned from from places though like i got banned from an irc channel because i told someone that they'd broken a rule somewhere and they were like wait you came into my channel to tell me that i broke a rule somewhere else 
I'm like, yeah. And so I got banned from there, which was pretty stupid and, and juvenile by some like Linux YouTuber. But I've never really been completely kicked out and told, you're not welcome here anymore. Do not ever darken these doors. I was kicked out of a forum very early on when I first got onto the internet, basically. And I didn't understand how it all worked. And I was just overly sensitive. <laughs> and that was a bit annoying. Um, but, you know, that was a learning experience. And then I've kind of had some self-imposed bans where I've just kind of said, fuck you, and made them ban me uh, when I got sick of certain communities. Individuals banning you or? Uh, well, I don't know if being blocked on Twitter counts, but um, no, I'm talking about communities. This is sort of many years ago where um, I got involved with a few different kind of communities, forum type things, and then just got sick of it and just burnt bridges to make sure that I wouldn't go back there and keep wasting my time on it. I can't imagine Dan has been banned from any communities. I can think of two instances. Oh. One was, um, I don't know, I was probably a freshman or a sophomore in high school or something like that. Um, and uh, there was a Call of Duty server ran by <laughs> some some squad, some team, and... Uh, they had some kind of tryouts or something like that, and I didn't make it in. And because I was a shithead, I changed my username to like rejected or something stupid like that. They were like, fuck you, man. And they kicked me off their server. <laughs> <laughs> and then, wow. uh, I, I once was, uh, a member of a private torrenting site for distros, obviously, exclusively for Linux distros. And, um, they had some weird rule about the seed ratio and the number. I, I was really good about it. I was really, I was really on it. And then they, it's like once you get past a certain number of gigabytes downloaded or something, then they switch you over to a different tier. And it was like all of a sudden my ratio was like terrible. And so it was like insta ban. So that wasn't really fair, but I deserve the first one. I think you deserve the second one for not reading the rules and understanding them properly. Yeah, well, they were really confusing rules. I didn't join a community yesterday because I didn't like the onerous uh, presentation of the rules that I was going to join. Uh, someone asked me to uh, join a Discord server, a Linuxy Discord server, and uh, in order to continue a discussion about something that was going on at work, and I was like, "Yeah, okay, I'll, I'll join." And I'm in a, like twenty or twenty-five Discord servers, Discord communities, and I clicked on this one and joined the channel. And the first thing, you know, a bot says, "Welcome," and then I went, "Hello." in the channel and then it was like you're not allowed to talk here you have to read the rules and <laughs> you have to give me the code that you get at the bottom of the rules and i clicked through to the rules and there was like a big wall of text and then there was like if you're on mobile click this link and it takes you through to github and you have to file a github pull request or something or a github issue and i was like oh my god this is bullshit i'm not doing this and obviously they've put it there because shitheads go there and troll them and you know they have a a set of rules to try and prevent awful people going in there but i'm not an awful person but I don't feel I should have to prove that. <laughs> so I was like, nah, fuck this. <laughs> and I walked away. I was like, no, I'm not going to join that community because they're clearly dickheads. 
Can you do me a favor, Popey? Can you just quickly go to Distro Watch and tell me <laughs> what is the uh, top distro on there? Okay, so now you've reminded me of the one thing that I think I might be banned from. Uh, <laughs> for some reason, I can't reach distrowatch.com from my house. Um, I, I have a relatively static IP address, and from my home, I can't reach that website. And it's weird because I can reach it on my mobile from, you know, a 3G connection and I can reach it from uh, my work uh, office. And if I connect from servers that I have that are outside my home, everything is fine. And there are no other websites that I have a problem with. It's only DistroWatch. My traffic just stops when I get to the box before DistroWatch. So you could argue I may have been banned from DistroWatch. <laughs> and I don't know why. Or there's some network conf- malconfiguration. It could be that. It really, really could be that. But I don't think it's that. I think my IP has been banned. But I don't know why. Because I haven't done anything other than tell everyone, stop trusting DistroWatch for um, popularity figures. Maybe that's why. If you'll quickly notice, uh, Elementary is right above Ubuntu on DistroWatch. <laughs> <laughs> I don't believe you. <laughs> but I can have no way of verifying this. <laughs> you could tell me anything about DistroWatch, and I would say, okay, because I can't visit the website. If I open <laughs> DistroWatch on my phone and disconnect from my Wi-Fi, then I can confirm it. But, uh, yeah, it's stupid. Okay, yes, I've logged on to DistroWatch now on my phone, and I can see Elementary is above Ubuntu. <laughs> oh, my God, what are we going to do? <laughs> right, a question that came up for me today, and this is very serious business. What kind of printer cartridges do you buy? <laughs> I don't think what's funny about it. Do you go for proper <laughs> genuine ones or do you go for compatible ones? Or is this not 1998 and you don't own a printer? This is like asking me what brand of washing powder I buy. I don't care. It's like not important. It is important. I got into an argument about this today. <sighs> it's like, I don't know. It's, okay. It's more like asking me whether I buy Duracell or EverReady batteries. That is a good point. Do you go for Duracell or do, do you go for cheap knockoff batteries? Oh, never buy the cheap knockoffs. Always buy the premium batteries. Always. Yeah, it's a mission. I would never buy knockoff. No, I don't care. Whatever. So we uh, we do own a printer and... It recently decided that one of the cartridges in it is no, not compatible with it, which it was last week, but for some reason this week it's no longer compatible. Um, so I don't know yet because we haven't bought ink for this printer. So we might just buy a new printer. That's what they want you to do. That's what the man wants you to do. <laughs> they want you to waste resources buying another printer. Yeah, but this one – so we, we recently started – printing envelopes to fulfill a new Patreon reward tier for elementary's Patreon. And um, this printer does not print envelopes effectively. And also, we'd like to print in white. So I think that we're going to look for a different printer. Sorry, rewind. You want to print in white? Yes. (laughs) And nobody will do it. I've gone to every print shop around town and asked them, can you print in white? 
on a blue envelope and they're like, uh, no. <laughs> yes, let me. Oh, I want to see you go into a uh, print shop and ask to buy the, the black, the cyan, the magenta, yellow. And do you have a white cartridge as well, please? <laughs> <laughs> There's got to be a consumer <laughs> printer somewhere <laughs> that prints in white. How is this not a problem that anyone else has ever had? Right. I've got a solution to your problem. It's the thinking outside the box solution. What you need to do is make a stencil, right, and then get some Tipex or whiteout, I think you call it, and use that instead. We have white gel pens, but, you know, I mean, everybody's address is different. Or just print blue and leave out the white bits. I mean, it'll be really expensive (laughs) on ink, but you'll fulfill your ultimate dream of white text on a blue background. I think we'll just stick to the gel pens. <laughs> so we've got two printers in the house. One is one of these multifunction HP jobbies that does everything and is wireless and wired and everything. Um, and I've had desk jets for years. Um, in fact, one I, I reviewed one on um, Amazon because it went really well. I plugged it in to my Linux machine and it just started working. It was like no driver installation. You just automatically found and everything worked. So I thought I'd leave a review on Amazon because all the other reviews would really panned it for the Windows driver. So I, I was that guy who left the review saying, I'm running Linux and I plugged this printer in and it worked first time. Ha <laughs> Suck it, Windows users. Or something like that. Um, but since then, I've bought um, this laser printer. Uh, so I've got a color laser and I've got a black laser in the bedroom up here, the office in up here. And this one was like 10 pounds. I got it secondhand from somewhere. I can't remember where, but it's, um, it's not got network. So I have to have it plugged into a server in order to do like cloud printing or networked printing. Um, but I almost never buy toner for it. I think I've only ever put a second toner in it once. Um, because I don't print very often because printing is a thing for the past because printers are devices for causing pain and injury to everyone. And also they sometimes print stuff. That's all well and good, but you didn't answer my question for the inkjet that you've got. Do you buy proper? I did. I answered it right at the beginning. I said, I don't care. <laughs> so I buy whichever one is the cheapest one on Amazon at the time that I will arrive fast enough to replenish the stock that's running out in my house. Right. So you do go for compatible rather than genuine. Thank you. You've answered my question. Whichever's cheapest. Well, obviously the knockoff ones are going to be cheaper. I don't know. Is it, I mean, is it pence per page or any quality print? I don't know. I've never compared. I just buy them, put them in, print stuff, done. How many podcasts do you listen to? Now, Dan, I've got the feeling you don't listen to that many, right? I don't listen to that many. And actually, recently, I haven't been listening to podcasts much at all because I I just feel like I haven't had the downtime. But um, when I was listening to the most podcasts, um, let's see, let me let me check my my library to see what I've got. I am currently subscribed to 10 shows, including this one. So not that many then. I suspect the audience are probably subscribed to a lot more. Popey, you listen to shitloads, don't you? Yeah, I've just counted uh, my subscriptions. Uh, it's in a grid of uh, four across, and I've just scrolled all the way through, and it's 23 down and four across. So like nearly 100, 90-odd uh, podcasts. But as, as I scroll through a couple of them, I don't think I've ever listened to, and a few of them no longer produce episodes. So I should have a clear out really. Um, 
but really there's probably about uh, half a dozen to a dozen that I actually listen to. Um, some of them while I'm cooking, I'll put the the phone on the side while I'm washing up or while I'm making a meal and I'll listen to a show or um, I'll listen to it in bed. And those are really the only times I ever listen to podcasts or when I'm on the train, if I go to the London office, but that's only once a month. So on the way there and on the way back, I'll listen to an episode. So I don't really listen to podcasts an awful lot. There's a few that I like to listen to, to send me to sleep at night. And um, the two that do that is the accidental tech podcast, because they talk all about Mac and I know nothing about what they're talking about. So it sends me to sleep. And the other one is 538, the US politics podcast, because it's all about American politics and that sends me to sleep as well. So those are really good at making me sleep at night. I listen to about 20 probably regularly. I've got a lot more that I'm subscribed to that I occasionally listen to if it looks interesting, but yeah, probably about 20. But going to sleep is one of the main times that I listen to podcasts these days. And I have this real problem. I've become really picky because it has to be interesting enough to hold my attention, but boring enough for me to go to sleep. It can't be funny because I can't be laughing because that wakes me up. It has to be really good audio quality otherwise it just annoys me the editing has to be good and the hosts have to be not too frantic and so it's really hard for me to actually find stuff to listen to i end up subscribed to all these science podcasts and stuff that sometimes do really good episodes but then they'll do like a dodgy interview where it's all like just shitty skype quality and stuff and i just have to skip that episode so yeah i think i've become far too picky so if anyone's got any suggestions for shows that fulfill all those categories, then please let me know. Uh, go to error.show slash contact and uh, yeah, or just get me on Twitter at Joe Ressington. What do you hoard but probably shouldn't? Apart from think pads, I know we'll get back to you, Popey. Dan, do you hoard anything? Um, you know, I feel like I've done a pretty good job at not hoarding anything. I think that, uh, my proxy, the thing that is the closest thing to a hoard that we have in the house at the moment is a giant pile of sample toothpastes. <laughs> wow. <laughs> what? Well, because, uh, Karen got these for free from her last job. So um, they just had a bunch of them in there, like little travel size toothpaste. And, and so we haven't bought toothpaste in like eight months because we have this huge <laughs> bag of travel toothpaste. But <laughs> other than that, I mean, and that's pretty, I can't justify getting rid of the pile of toothpaste because <laughs> <laughs> that's pretty useful. So there's a key factor here. Is it all the same one or is it all different ones? No, it's all, it's all the same one. Oh, okay. Because I'm not going mad here, right? Toothpaste, you get used to it. And then if you change it, it's fucking horrible for the first few days. No matter what toothpaste you change to, it's always horrible. I don't know about horrible, but it is weird. But then after like three or four days, you're just used to it. How big is this pile of toothpaste? Because I'm, I'm picturing you in a modest sized flat being overwhelmed by a giant <laughs> pile of very small things of toothpaste. I'd have to check the size of the pile because obviously we're using these toothpastes and they're very small, so we use them at a rapid rate. But I think last time I looked at it, it was probably like 10 or 15 boxes 
boxes. See, that doesn't clarify anything because a box could be any shape and size. Well, they're they're travel size toothpaste boxes. They're individually boxed. Ah, as you would expect when you buy travel size toothpaste. It's exactly like you get them off the shelf like that, you know, but just in a bag. I don't think ten or fifteen counts as hoarding. Then I got nothing. How many think pads have you got, Popey? I think about thirteen at the last count. But that's 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 not even the start of it. Like it's it's not just ThinkPads. There's other computers as well. I I I have a habit of not getting rid of old computers. I did in the past. Um, I collected a few old computers, and then for some reason I purged, and I got I had some really nice old computers. I had an old Mac Classic and a few others, and I got rid. And I kind of regret getting rid of some of those because you know they might be do them up a little bit and they might be worth something but um yeah it's not just computers there's all kinds of junk I, as i look around me i'm trying to avert my gaze from the uh, the stuff that i've got and i also collect data as well i like archive stuff on my home server that's got like terabytes of storage and on there there's all kinds of stuff that you know there's screenshots from ubuntu phone from like five years ago I could just delete that folder, but you know, at some point, someone might write a retrospective article. If they ever need a screenshot, I'm your man. <laughs> but uh, and it's not it's not inconveniencing me by having that data on that disk. It's not like my server is bulging in capacity and we're going to fall off the shelf as a result of the extra data that's on there. It's just I know it's there. It's like, and I, I really should get rid of it. And my mind would probably be cleaner as a result. But then later on, I'll be really annoyed when someone comes to me and says, have you still got those screenshots of Ubuntu phone from 2013? And I'll be like, oh, damn it. <laughs> yeah, I hoard data massively. I've just saved everything I've ever created or used or had on my computer. And it's all horribly disorganized on my NAS and various other external hard drives and some internal hard drives that are just in a drawer and are never going to get plugged in again. Like, why am I going to keep a 320 gigabyte uh, 3.5 SATA drive? Like, when am I ever going to use that? If I'm going to build anything, I'm going to buy a 6 terabyte plus right. at this point. But I just can't. I think, well, it's a backup. And so I'll just leave it in this drawer and I've just got this fucking massive pile of them. And also old laptops as well. I've got just way too many. Um, I've even got uh, an iMac that some twat gave me. You're welcome. <laughs> Which I really should sell, but I don't think anyone's going to want to buy it because it's not supported anymore. So, yeah, I've got way too many laptops and stuff. Um, but I also hoard guitars. No, it's, I collect guitars. Let's just say I think I've got like 11 or 12 guitars some quite nice ones some shit ones my my worry is that i could very easily turn into like a mr trebus character and you know that you see on these cleanup shows i could very easily you could come around and knock on my door and you know there's only a thin corridor through the house and there's just piles and piles of paperwork everything i i worry that that will be me and i try and every so often have a bit of a i had a bit of a purge today actually and got rid of some stuff that i'm thinking i don't need two mac charge cables <laughs> i only have one mac i don't need two cables but then i've got like five thinkpad charge cables but i'm keeping those so it's all completely non-logical and ludicrous and a bit weird and yeah i should do a proper purge but i just can't bring myself to do it 
if digital content counts, then I guess I would have to admit that I have a lot of GarageBand files. Like, new song idea. Song idea one. New song idea four. <laughs> song idea revised. Right, and is that all backed up properly then? It is. It's all in my iCloud drive, like, filling it up for since ever. Cover songs that I recorded, like, the first two parts of and then never finished. I have a supplemental question. How many objects qualifies as a hoard then? Because if 15 toothpaste isn't a hoard, but 15 think books, think pads, whatever the hell they're called, computers is a hoard. It's not the number of them. It's the way they were acquired, I think. I think it doesn't, and the fact that you're consuming them, so the amount goes down. So the fact that you've got a lot of toothpaste, I don't think you could class that as hoarding it unless you weren't using it. If you weren't using it and it was just gathering dust in the corner, that's a hoard. But the fact that you're actually consuming it and using it seems like a reasonable thing. Just like someone going to the cash and carry and bulk buying toilet roll. It's not hoarding toilet roll. It's buying it cheaply because it comes in bulk, I think. Whereas my ThinkPads I have acquired over time. I don't need more ThinkPads, but I went into a charity shop and bought another one. That's hoarding. <laughs> one of these days I'm going to dump my A20M on you, but you're just not having it so far. Thanks. Thanks.